Christos Voskres, Christos Anesti, Christ is risen. I have a happy note to, to uh, announce today that uh, Father Deacon Daniel Grosier will be ordained to the priesthood next Saturday at the cathedral in Phoenix. However, uh, only a few people can go, so don't, don't rush down there. Of course, the bishop will have to be their bishop. John will be the ordaining bishop to the laying on of hands. And, of course, the consultors are supposed to be there. Uh, I don't know if you know that, but uh, when a candidate comes up for major orders, the consultors vote on him. I don't know if you know that or not. So they're supposed to go to the uh, ordination, too. Well, I'm not going to go on. <laughs> not exposing myself and... It's too expensive anyway, and, but I'll write him a nice card on behalf of all of us, you know. So we're very happy for him and for the church because, you know, we lost one priest this year from pancreatic cancer. Very painful way to die, by the way. And his funeral, I watched it on, you know, they put everything on the streaming now. So I said, at least I did that. I did not go to the funeral. And he just looked like he had shrunk to nothing. Just this terrible thing. There he was right out in white vestments and beautiful. The bishop did the liturgy. And he had a deacon. And... Um, Cantor, one server, and a few of the family members. You can only have a few because we're limited who we can have in the church. I'm hoping that on May the 1st we can have more people in church because we never have a crowd here anyway except for an occasion. Then we do have, but we have you no know, occasions now because it's sort of sad timing for us. Now let's be happy now. Let's talk about the gospel today. And the women went to the tomb with ointments to anoint the cold body of Jesus. But when they got there, they saw a young man dressed in white who scared them and told him, He is risen. Name the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus our Lord, it's always a lugubrious thing to talk about death and things like that, but uh, it's one of the uh, realities of being born. Sooner or later, you're going to fall asleep in the Lord. But that's what we pray for, that each one of us have a happy death. And when we pass through the curtain to new life, we have wonderful people there to welcome us whom we've loved and our guardian angel, and the saints whom we've had uh, devoted to all our lives, and that uh, we really won't worry about it too much. You shouldn't really worry about uh, dying. The way you live is the condition yourself, <laughs> you're doing to yourself, or the way you're going to die. And the way you die, you're going to be for all eternity. 
And although we celebrate your birthday with great joy, uh, your real birthday is when you pass through the curtain to new life. And we know lots, in some ways we know lots about uh, burial, deaths, and all that. And they've made a business out of it in the United States. Of course, they make a business out of everything in the United States. It's way too expensive, you know. We should rebel. And uh, <clears throat> I remember I went to a funeral of a monk, and um, I was on retreat with the Trappist. It's always good to make a retreat every year. So the priests were invited to kind of celebrate at the community liturgy in the Abbey Church. And we went in and we they went to the sacristy. They had laid out vestments and everything like that. We got dressed. And we went in and in the middle of the aisle, there was a very nice oak plank. Brother Pater loves wood. He would have loved that plank very fancily finished. And there was the monk lying there in his cowl. The cowl is the outer vestment that monks wear at office. Now our monks don't wear anything except their habit right now, there's Pudriyasnik. But when they have solemn vows, then they wear a, a rason and a, a kop, kopak with the veil. But I don't have any monks in solemn vows yet here. I had one, he blew the mountain, you know, he took off on us. But anyway, um, so there he was in his cowl, and uh, the abbot came out and celebrated a, a funeral liturgy, you would call it. And then we all can celebrate, we went to Holy Communion. Then two monks came out, and they pulled his towel up over his head, closed, covered his face, and then they pulled it down and they tied it together. And his brother Monks came and picked up the plank with him on it. So then we all were lined up and we followed them out behind the Abbey Church. There was a little, that's where they buried their monks. And uh, <clears throat> the hole was prepared with just some straw, and they dumped him in there, nice, sort of gently, but they saved the plank, after all. <laughs> and then we all took turns in putting earth into the soil. It was very simple. The abbot blessed the grave and invited us all to breakfast. And we all went in, washed our hands, and had breakfast. It was quite a shock, you know, because I've performed quite a few funerals myself, and they're all more elaborate than that. And uh, it's interesting that uh, in the Byzantine church, the only person that really rates the Eucharist for the funeral is a priest. Laymen are supposed to be buried with the office of a layman, and so are the monks, unless they're priest monks, harrow monks then they're buried in full vestments. And I've had that privilege to go to the undertaker 
and bless the priest and say the prayers for him for the last time, anoint him. And of course I had the funeral too because the bishop didn't come out. Terrible, he should have come. But anyway, I don't think about funerals too much. Because the reason being, as I know I'm gonna to have to have one myself. So it's sober. So I remember uh, when I was laying to rest my mom and dad, that's a hard job a priest has to bury his parents. Some priests, they go, but they'll get another priest in to help them. Or I buried my own parents. They're in a mausoleum at Mount Macrina in Pennsylvania in a section that is only for priests and their families. They're buried separate. So I used to go once in a while on pilgrimage there to pray near my parents. I pray for them every day, actually. And uh, so some of my parishioners asked me, why did you put your parents in mausoleum? Well, they were, I guess, psychologically, it was difficult for me to put them into the ground because it's cold and wet, and I didn't like it. I thought to myself, my, our Lord was buried in a mausoleum, and I put my parents in a mausoleum. So there they are, and the nuns go down, and I had about 50 nuns to sing the parastas when I buried my parents, except my dad's was a little smaller because I got lost on the way from Pittsburgh over to, uh, no, from Philadelphia to Pittsburgh, I got lost. It was a mess. The deacon, uh, Father Michael, was with me, so he was there to help me get through the whole thing. And uh, it's difficult. Now, these ladies in the gospel, it was difficult. You notice the men weren't there. Scared, not of death, but of the authorities who had sealed the tomb. But of course, when they got there, they had to break the seal because the seal was unbroken. And Jesus came forth from the tomb with his, his transformed body. And so last Sunday, we know Thomas. He's the professor of the faith in the Eucharist. I mean, I mean, excuse me, in the resurrection. He says, I won't believe it unless I say it. Well, Jesus walked through the doors into the room on that evening. He says, come here, Thomas, you little dummy. He didn't say that part. Touch my hands and touch my side and know it is really myself. And Thomas falls down before him and says, my Lord and my God. Now the women had already announced, they went to anoint the Lord, and they went to announce that he had risen, he was not there, whereas Thomas did not receive. The first one to receive that announcement is really Peter. And when Peter goes to the tomb, he's the first one to walk in. Why? He's the prince of the apostles. There's much to learn about people 
and how they take care of their loved ones when they fall asleep in the Lord. I do not like, and I've expressed my complaint, these, these places where you, bury, you burn everybody, I don't like that. I'm a little bit superstitious. I think maybe they feel that pain. Because everything else we do to the body is to honor the soul. So I don't like that. In all our churches now, they have their building or somewhere around the property, uh, columbarium. Columbarium comes from the word columban, which means a place to keep doves. And uh, they come with these urns and they put them in the columbarium, a little shelf. And sometimes they even put their picture there. And I don't like it. I'm sorry. Don't ever ask me to do that. I did it one down in Walla Walla. I was stationed in uh, Spokane and the ashes came in the mail. And the man was from Walla Walla. He had a, I forget what cemetery, but he had a place there. <clears throat> so I went down, I had a liturgy all by myself for him. I put the ashes on a little table you can't have a complete funeral if you don't have a body. The prayers don't fit. So you get chipped, you get, you know, get, you don't hear the beautiful music of St. John Damascene set, uh, sung at a funeral. The parastas, you don't have that. Uh, just have a liturgy for the deceased. That's what I did. And take him out and put him. So who was there? Well, the undertaker was there to show me where to go. And we took that we had some guy came, made a little hole. And we dropped the ashes in, and I covered the hole. And I said, seal to the second coming of Christ. That's what we say. I didn't like it. Take time. Take care of those you love. Just like we would if it was a priest. Priest is anointed with olive oil. Another priest comes, or maybe a group of priests, to do that. An undertaker is usually there to help them move him around. Then he's put, he's in his coffin. Then he's taken to the church for a vigil for two days usually. You know, all priests come and sing the gospel over him. Lay people, they have the psalter sung over them through the night for the vigil. Sometimes I was in the parish, I had a hard time getting enough people come into the church the night for the vigil. And but we finally got some and some would get worn out because it's 150 psalms. That's what we do. Sometimes we send that to a monastery and send them a donation to sing the psalms for the dead. We really should have a little stand in here, but people don't come here much, with a psalter on it. So when you go to visit a church, they, uh, you should sit there and say the psalms for the deceased. 
That's what you're supposed to be doing. That's your obligation to pray for the dead. Now, that's important because you don't want to go up to heaven and get through the royal doors and there's nobody there to greet you. But I assure you, those people that you prayed for are going to greet you. And some relatives you never knew you had. And some friends you never knew you had. These were holy women that went to anoint the Lord. Why is it that we can read the Bible and not practice what's in it? I know I'm always learning things from the sacred scriptures. I'm always learning. I've been reading it for years. And the Holy Spirit comes upon you and he teaches you things. These holy women. What about Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus? Nicodemus was the fellow who asked the Lord if he could call back in his mother's womb as an adult and be baptized. That had to be explained to him. Joseph of Arimathea was a, name, a member of the Sanhedrin. They appreciated, secretly maybe, who the Lord was. And they came and got his sacred body and laid it in the tomb, wrapping it in linen, putting a kerchief over his face. And the priest is laid out, he's laid out in vestments with the priest's cross, and is his blessing cross in his hand. At the end of the ceremony, the bishop comes down with oil. He pours the oil over his face. He covers it with the chalice veil. And he takes the small veils, he anoints his hands, and puts the small veils over them. It's a holy thing, the relics of a priest. But aren't we all holy? Did we not sing today, Hold that Christ and put on Christ, Alleluia? Are we not all part of the body of Christ? We are. So, you know, you can think of it this way. If you have someone to bury, and he's baptized, or he's even maybe not, you're taking care of the body of Christ. Very important thing. Don't be afraid of the dead. They'll pray for you, but fear the living. They can harm you. And if you pray for them, they're sure to love you. So every Saturday in our liturgy is a Shabbos, old Jewish Shabbos. It's dedicated to the deceased. And usually not always, because sometimes there's intervening celebrations that have to take place of liturgy. We usually say a panahita for the deceased. The panahita is a short prayer that comes out of the parastas. It's said it's the most popular prayer in our church, especially in Europe, because what do you do when you go to the cemetery to bury the dead? You say the Panahidi, you pray for them. You put palm on their grave. 
bring them a Easter egg, a pasanki, decorated. Have the phrygium there, have a meal with them. Relatives always pour a drink into the grave for the person. It's just men for you, you know, it's a wonderful thing. Be friendly to them, and they'll be friendly to you, but do not neglect them. We are in a great uh, difficulty now with this uh, virus that's going around, and um, it's threatening. I don't know if we're getting the truth or not. Our insurance man down at the Epark came and visited us and told us to take lots of vitamin C and vitamin D. They out of danger. But they said, I don't know how they know this, the statistics are not accurate. Because if a person dies of the virus, they, they get extra money from the government. So now everybody's going to buy from the virus. That's the way it's going to be. So I don't know what's right. Uh, people getting tired of being shut up. I'm tired of being shut up. If you come to visit me, you have to stand six feet away. And I go downtown, I get all dolled up like a bandit with a, you know, with a mask and everything. And I have to yell at the uh, petter, make sure he covers himself, because we do have to shop. People's got to be care, stay away from each other. That's a good idea in case this is terrible. So take care of yourself while you're alive. But while you're alive, pray for those who have gone before us. Be like the holy men and women who went to take care of the Lord's earthly remains, only to find out that he has risen. Remember, on Holy Saturday in the morning, we have Jerusalem Matins. I love it. Because at Jerusalem Matins, we sing in the Old Testament those dry bones. Uh, they rise up, and God puts new spirit in them. Magnificent. Read it. It'll give joy to your heart. Now, unfortunately, we're not going to pass over to the new life without going through the doorway of death. I don't like it. We were not made for death. We were made for life. But Jesus has come, and he has risen, and he's done all that to inform us that you're going to have new life, and it will be eternal. Name the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen.